You're listening to the Health Call Radio Hour, where doctors, researchers, authors, nutritionists, and top health professionals share the latest news about staying well and living better. The information you hear today is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, but it's always timely, credible, interesting, and best of all, there's never a copay. Now, here's your host, health and wellness correspondent, Lee Kelso. Hey, great to see you again. Thanks for joining us. I'm so glad you're here and including us in your busy weekend. You know, a growing number of people are realizing that food can act like medicine in our bodies. And a study from Stanford Medical is still more evidence that what you eat affects how you feel. The Stanford researchers enrolled 36 healthy adults and put them on a 10-week diet rich in either fermented foods or high-fiber foods. The idea here is to see which diet had the most impact on the immune system. Now, high-fiber diets have been associated with lower death rates for many different causes, and there's evidence that changing what you eat is changing your microbiome, that mixture of bacteria in our gut that impacts everything from maintaining weight to cutting the risk of diabetes, cancer, cardiovascular disease, heck, even dementia. Researchers analyzed blood and stool samples of these people during the three weeks before the study just to set a baseline. They tested during the trial, and for a month after, these adults went back to eating, you know, whatever they want, their regular diet. What they found is that eating fermented foods rich in good bacteria had a significant impact. The levels of 19 inflammatory proteins measured in the blood samples decreased. That's a good thing. So which fermented food should we be stocking up on as we head to the supermarket on the weekend? Well, for that, I turned to Leslie Beck a registered dietitian, and author of 12 books on food and nutrition. She said one of the easiest changes to make is stepping away from colas and sugary energy drinks and instead... Fermented beverages, whether that's kefir, buttermilk, yogurt is a fermented food, kombucha, which is a fermented food uh, made from green or black or even white tea, um, kimchi, which is fermented Napa cabbage with, with you know seasonings such as ginger, green onion, it's a little spicy. Those are the kinds of foods we're talking about. Um, these naturally fermented foods contain beneficial microbes called probiotic microbes. Um, and one of the what the study also showed that you mentioned is is the fermented food the diet that was high in fermented food increased the diversity of micro the beneficial microbes in in these participants um, large intestines and having a diverse microbiota we call it that's the community of all of these microbes that live in our gut, having a very diverse microbiota is associated with better health. And, and one of the things we know our microbiota does is it communicates, as you alluded to, with the, the immune system. Um, most of the immune system resides in our butt, or in, in our gut, pardon me. Um, so that certainly can influence inflammatory responses in the body. Yeah, it's a real interesting study, and I thought it was interesting as well. They they put the uh, fermented foods up against a high-fiber diet, mm-hmm. which is also thought to improve the, the diversity in our microbiota, and the fermented foods far exceeded the influence of the high-fiber diet, and uh, that I thought was pretty interesting as well. So mm-hmm. you mentioned, let's just walk through that list a little bit, and sure. uh, let's start with, for example, is it kombucha or kombucha? Kombucha? Sure yeah. kombucha? Yeah. No. 
So kombucha is a fermented tea and it's made by mm -hmm. adding probiotic bacteria and yeast to green, black or white tea, some, some sugar, sometimes a little bit of fruit juice and other flavorings. Um, so the product is, is it's slightly effervescent um, and, and a little bit tart tasting as well. Usually kombucha has about 30 to 35 calories per per 250 mil serving, um, which is mainly from the sugar that's added to it. But still, kombucha has considerably less sugar than, say, sugar sweetened soft drinks. Um, you, and just keep in mind that some brands of kombucha have been pasteurized to kill off unwanted bacteria. Um, and then companies may fortify those products with by adding probiotic bacteria after, well, afterwards. But kombucha tea is also available unpasteurized. And uh, I would just make sure that you're buying it from a reputable company. And there are many, many brands of kombucha today that you can find. So what do I need to be looking for on the label to make sure it's giving me the full impact? Well, I, I think if you if you may see that it's a source of live cultures, you might you, you would see that. Um, the other thing I will note about uh, kombucha, even if it's unopened, you haven't opened it, always store it in the in the fridge to preserve those live beneficial microbes. So how much of this do I need to be uh, consuming uh, in order for it to actually have any impact? Well, I don't really think we have the exact answer to that. For, for the Stanford study, what they found is the participants in the fermented food group, they increased their servings over the study period, which was a short study. It was about six weeks from about, I believe it was half a serving a day up to six servings of fermented foods a day. And um, a serving of, of fermented foods was considered six ounces of kombucha, six ounces of yogurt, six ounces of kefir, uh, one quarter of a cup of kimchi uh, or unpasteurized sauerkraut. So those are some examples. And another something else that participants consumed as part of this was a serving would have been two ounces of a vegetable brine drink. So, I mean, it, and the other thing the study showed is that the higher the intake um, of fermented foods, the greater the diversity of, of participants' microbiotas. So, I mean, you could go up to six servings a day if you wanted, but I think there was even benefit with fewer servings. So what if, if I add all that to my diet at once, I, I got to believe that my body is going to react or respond in some way. What should I expect? Should I ease into this? That seems like a big leap to take all at once. Yeah, I, I, I think I think so. Um, I think I would also I would keep in mind that for some of these foods may contain um, prebiotic carbohydrates. Um, so prebiotics are really sort of fertilizer, if you will, for your good gut bacteria. And certain foods contain undigestible carbohydrates that act as these fertilizers, these prebiotics. And in some people, particularly people with irritable bowel syndrome, some of those carbohydrates could cause bloating, um, uh, gas, abdominal pain. So I would definitely go easy with those. That said, I will say many fermented foods are easier to digest. And that's because the fermentation process itself, for example, breaks down lactose in, in dairy products. So making them easier for people to, to digest. So I've enjoyed kimchi a number of times. In fact, I have some kimchi that was locally produced um, that is awfully spicy. And I think some people are going to have a problem with that, but you get the same effect when you're eating fermented cabbage in the form of sauerkraut. Mm -hmm. So when I look for sauerkraut in the supermarket, again, what do I need to look for? 
Well, you want to look for it and you want to find unpasteurized sauerkraut. So you're going to find it in the refrigerated section, um, not in the aisle of the grocery store. Once sauerkraut has been pasteurized, that kills off all those beneficial microbes. So again, just look for unpasteurized sauerkraut in, in, the, um, in the refrigerator section. When I'm cooking with these uh, foods, what do I need to keep in mind? What should I be looking for? Or what do I need to do to manage the temperatures so that I am not uh, killing off all these beneficial bacteria? Well, if you cook them and heat them, you will be killing some of those those beneficial uh, microbes. So you, you really shouldn't. If you want to preserve the probiotic uh, bacteria and yeast in these foods, you would not cook them. So Leslie Beck there says you want to use sauerkraut and other probiotics in an uncooked state, so sauerkraut as a condiment or a topping on a sandwich, right? I hope that gives you some suggestions while you're heading out for weekend grocery shopping. Lots of foods these days are labeled as containing probiotics, and maybe they do, but keep in mind that most of those bacteria will not survive the trip through your digestive system. Growing number of studies are indicating that the prebiotics that she mentioned are more effective, as Leslie said, kind of miracle grow that feed your gut bacteria. You can get prebiotic supplements in many forms, but heck, it's best to eat the food, right? So onions, dandelion greens, garlic, bananas, whole oats, apples, all a great way to add prebiotics to your diet. When we come back, we shift gears. Instead of focusing on living better, let's talk about what happens after you die and you donate your body to science, specifically to a medical education program. And that is coming up next on the Health Call Radio Hour here on WoWo. Podcasts by Federated Media. 